Welcome back. Laura Jane here with some more from the Yoga Sutras, the original text on yoga, helping us get to the roots of yoga, what it's intended to be, how we can use it as we learn to tune ourselves more, which is what I'm all about. So I'm hoping this is helpful to you in your practices, your process, and your understanding of how your yoga can unfold. So this is from one of the translations of the Yoga Sutras. It's called The Wisdom of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras by Ravi Ravindra, one of my favorite yoga scholars. So Yoga Sutra 1.2, the second Yoga Sutra, is, the Sanskrit reads, Yogas Chitta Riti Nirodha. And it translates as, Yoga is establishing the mind in stillness. And I'm just going to let you know that I'm really enjoying getting back into this with you and for you. And just like many important books, each time we visit them, we get something new, right? As we're ready to hear something new as we keep growing and changing. So I'm excited to be here with you understanding this. So, and to let you know that this is probably the most famous of the yoga sutras, this one right here. This is the one that gets mentioned or talked about, I would say, the most in Western yoga circles in my past experience over these years. So yoga is establishing the mind in stillness. So let's get into some of what Ravi says. So he says, this speaks of the process of yoga in order to reach the aim of establishing the mind in stillness. So he says the key words in Sanskrit that are part of this one are chitta and vritti. Chitta may be translated as mind, consciousness, or psyche. And then, so chitta could have both the function of thinking and feelings. So chitta is more like a heart-mind combination. So this heart-mind, chitta, and he goes on to say that in Indian tradition, the mind and the heart are not regarded as separate for they function together at every level. So, you know, I love that this, we can see that a lot of our practices are just helping us remember that heart and mind are one and helping us get back into that feeling of connection between heart and mind, right? So this chitta, this heart-mind, we have, <clears throat> he goes on to say, that anyone who's attempted to pay attention to anything. 
soon realizes how easily we're distracted and how difficult it is to have steady attention, right? Because when we hear that establishing in the mind and stillness, I don't know about you, but that feels just about impossible, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> Ravi says, yeah, absolutely. For any of us, as soon as we take a look at our mind, we realize how hard it is to have steady attention for any of us. And I feel like nowadays more than ever, right? And whether or not we've gotten labels for our attention and use of our attention, right? All of us have challenges with our attention and there's just so much to pay attention to nowadays that it's just harder than ever and even more than ever to think about, right? So yeah, we, the truth here is that whenever we start to take a look at our mind, we notice it's really hard to have a steady attention and that we have these movements in the mind, these fluctuations, right? These distractions that occupy the citta, the heart-mind, and these are called the vrittis. And then he sees straight up, listen to this, the mind has a natural tendency to be anywhere but here and to be concerned with any other time but now. So that's where we see like, this very simple thing. Remember the first Yoga Sutra was here now is the teaching of yoga, right? Which seems so simple. It's just about being here and now, which is like, why would that be so hard? <laughs> so Yoga Sutra 1.2 right away starts to address that. that we know we have this heart-mind and yet we also have this truth that the mind is constantly fluctuating, right? With these vrittis. And that the mind actually has the natural tendency to be anywhere but here and to be current, concerned with any other time but now. And that's where I love to, yeah, because anyone I've ever talked to and worked with in the name of meditation seems to think it's it's just their mind that's like that and just they have a hard time meditating and just they have a lot of thoughts and I've come to see, I think this is just the truth of the human mind, right? And that's where I've gotten fascinated with the power of for getting into making a still quiet mind, just just aim to do that for a few seconds at a time is a huge deal. And maybe just all we need to aim to do to get a lot of the medicine here. So anyways, any amount of stillness of the mind we can create is what yoga is intended to be, right? Yoga being a place to establish the mind in stillness, but yet we're right up, right away seeing how almostly, almost impossible that seems, right? <laughs> because the mind is always fluctuating, right? Whenever we watch it, we notice that. And then this here and now business, that interestingly, the mind wants to do the exact opposite. The natural tendency of the mind is to be anywhere but here and to be concerned with any other time but now. <laughs> so he says this state of dispersion is a feature of the usual level of mind. This is not a personal fault, but it is a fact of the human situation. So then sadhana, which means practice, the practice is needed for the cultivation of steady attention. And really this means like choosing what we pay attention to, right? That's where I see it so much about just honing our focus and getting into a, a way that we can just choose what we're focusing on, right? Be more selective with our attention, feel like we have more power over that. So yeah, he says the truth here, the, you know, the mind is so busy 
and it wants to be everywhere but here and now. So that's why we need to develop a practice to start to learn to cultivate steady attention. And then he says, so this sutra calls attention to this. Right? So that's what we can see. Yoga becomes about these practices to bring ourselves into the moment, right? And to be able to quiet the mind more and reconnect more with that heart-mind awareness. So here's some more. So, and this is where we're really getting into what is yoga? This is like really answering what is yoga? So more translations of this sutra is yoga is the stopping of the fluctuations of consciousness. Yoga is the quieting of the turnings or projections of the mind. Yoga is for the stillness of the mind. Yoga is the settling of the mind into silence. Again, even if that just happens for two to five seconds, it's magic. It's playing with that. And then yoga is for steadiness of attention. So yeah, you can see, again, I love to, you know, keep blowing the lid on this whole yoga is just exercises. But then you can see how those exercises are part of playing with our attention, right? And then what we're intended to be doing while we do those exercises, what makes any exercise yoga is what you're doing with your attention, right? And how you're just watching your attention, how you're learning to direct your attention, how you're letting the, and even things like the poses help us quiet the mind and still the mind, right? So it's so interesting how that's supposed to be the aim of all this, not not a yoga body. <laughs> that's just a side effect. So, <clears throat> so he says, when we move away from an adherence to a literal translation, it's not wrong to suggest that yoga is for developing what the Buddha referred to as wakefulness or what Krishnamurti called total attention. Vyasa, one of the earliest commentators on yoga, said that yoga is for the cultivation of the silence of the mind. Right? And again, that can seem so overwhelming to us busy-minded 2021 people. But that's where I love that I've gotten from modern teachers, especially the magic, the power of just trying seconds at a time of quieting the mind. And quieting also doesn't mean like absolutely silent. You know, we might have some moments of absolute silence, but just anything that can just quiet it down, meaning just quieter, (laughs) right, is helpful. And then again, just interesting to see that then that anything that can do that for us, we can see that can be part of our yoga. So that's where walking is a form of yoga, dancing is a form of yoga, time in the bath is a form of yoga. And you can also see where yoga and meditation go, really, yoga is a form of meditation, right? And meditation is a form of yoga. And when you're, when you're practicing yoga, you're, fra- you're, you're practicing meditation and vice versa. So it, it's really supposed to be all about our attention and all about this playing with or cultivation of silence, of the mind or just quieting the mind. And then what's cool, we now know when we quiet the mind, because we've done more research on what happens when we quiet the mind with meditation, it kind of acts like um, 
it's a it's this form of clearing the mind that helps the mind actually work better when we do that and we now see that we're more creative after we have some time of quiet in the mind it's like it refreshes the mind and kind of refreshes the canvas of the mind in a sense the more that we're aware that we're doing that too and we now know yeah we're more creative we're more productive we can problem solve better when after having quieted the mind and then it does really any pause in the thoughts is gonna help us change the direction of the thoughts the nature of the thoughts and help us redirect the thoughts which is really so important because we, we also can start to realize how much our thinking is creating how we're feeling right and even creating our lives so we get that chance to not only watch our thinking in these practices, but when we quiet the mind, like the yoga is encouraging us to do, and it's supposed to be all about, we now know it's got its own magic, that it refreshes the mind, it redirects the mind, and it helps us become more creative, more productive afterwards. So it's really cool. And again, then we can see that anything that helps us do that can be a practice, right? So yes, time with movement and the poses and use of breath and all that is one of the awesome ways that we can be doing that. That's what all, this, all the other benefits we get from the physical use of or ways we can get into yoga. But really that, yeah, it's supposed to be by our attention. And then the, we can bring that into any activity too, you know, like especially if we love to play piano if we love to surf or play golf you know those all those things could also be forms of yoga right because we can just be using it as a chance to do all these things so any like the first sutra anywhere anytime any moment is a moment can be a moment of yoga right because it's really just about being here now and now we know no we now know even more with a quieter mind as part of the aim too so Let's see a little bit more from this short chapter from Ravi on this second Yoga Sutra. So how much, yeah, about a practice and stopping the fluctuations is the way to reach the stillness. And he goes on to say, yeah, so with all this awareness of, you know, what's true about the human mind for most of us, and then the power of these things we can see we want to do with our yoga, that we can just see, yeah, a transformational practice, a yoga. So we can say a yoga. A yoga is a transformational practice. So anything can be that, right? Anything for you, and you may have your own blend of things. It's part of your transformational practices. So a transformational practice, a yoga, is needed to realize a different quality of being, to gain freedom and to awaken. So that's what we're doing with our yoga. We're realizing a different quality of being. Gaining freedom and awakening. How amazing is that, right? So, and that's where you can see, yeah, yoga is way more a system of psychology, right? A system of enlightenment, a system of way to deal with our mind and change our mind and just even our experience of life. Isn't that so interesting? And then, yeah, it just happens to involve these things that also increase our health and vitality and such. So 
He goes on to say it's difficult to know what a totally silent mind is, but we can be aware of the distractions of the mind and we can experience a relative silence, which gives us a foretaste of a radically silent mind. So we can see we're just kind of like getting hints <laughs> of this silent mind. We're playing with it. We can dream about it, right? Even if it's hard to even imagine it's possible, right? So it's difficult to know what it is, but we can be aware, just being aware of the distractions of the mind is a big part of the practices, right? And just quieting, even if we don't totally silence it. And that we can experience a relative silence. Just giving us a foretaste of that radically silent mind, right? So we're kind of like dreaming about the quiet mind. And then he says, this one always hits me. So an accomplished yogi's mind to really, to be an accomplished yogi. It's not about that hard pose at all. <laughs> it's about having a mind that has a quality of deep silence, which can be felt. Whew. I'd like to embody that. So an accomplished yogi's mind has a quality of deep silence, which can be felt. Right, so like others can feel that <laughs> we have this silence in our mind. And he says, Krishnamurti embodied this stillness of mind. Um, and, and many sages, he says, many sages have said that when the mind is silent, without distractions, the original state of intelligence or of consciousness, far beyond the capacity of the thinking mind is present. So yeah, the, the, that's the thing we're going for. When we get the mind quieter, less distracted, we're able to tap into an original state of consciousness. And that that intelligence is more aligned to direct perception than to thinking or reasoning. So again, it's getting that mind in that receptive mode, which is less about thinking and reasoning and more about quieting and listening. And then here we go. He says, we may well say that yoga is for the purpose of cultivating direct seeing without imaginings. And then absolutely, he says, yoga leads to gnosis. G-N-O-S-I-S. So yoga leads to gnosis. A knowledge which is quite different from the rational knowledge. Wow, so yoga leads to gnosis yeah so it's it's in that word gnosis right means union joining becoming one with whether we call it god the absolute the universe our spirit spirit of the universe right so yoga leads to gnosis and it is through this cultivating of our attention isn't that so interesting and being able to be here and now and being able to quiet that mind and become more receptive. And yes, to have a more sensitive body and a more receptive mind so that we can experience that gnosis. Wow. <laughs> so that's what our yoga is intended to be about. Remember, yoga means union to join, to connect. So it's supposed to be about gnosis, joining, becoming one with that within us and around us, right? And it's in here and now, it's in the quiet and the quieting and the practice. Whew. So I hope that's helpful for you. 
Love you so much. This is Laura Jane. See you soon for some more Yoga Sutra study. I'm so thankful to share this with you. Namaste.